0: Is that, that's the
3: second time it has gone on. They never got home, they never got home, they never got home, those guys. Those, those and I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good
0: luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. <laughs> second captain,
1: first captain, whatever. Hello there and welcome to the Irish Times Second Captain's Podcast. Owen Murph and Ken are ready to go. Hi are you? I'm good, ready for the return to competitive golf for the first time in well over a year of Tiger Woods. He's approaching 41 years of age, has had a number of back surgeries, and this time last year he said, rather glumly, that there's nothing to look forward to. Well, the pep is back in his step, and I'm going to guess, guys, that his mood was probably helped by his involvement in the US Ryder Cup team. Really? You saw, well, you saw him knocking around the place looking... Very relaxed Very Positive Bored I thought
3: But <laughs> uh, Okay
1: I thought he, I, It felt to me Like he was enjoying A golf tournament In a way that he Probably hasn't Been able to For ever In his entire life He's not a man Who's ever Been at too many Golf tournaments Where he's Got a slightly Peripheral role Nobody's really Looking to him For anything But he's got Some sort of mm. Involvement
3: I, I, I felt his, his Body language Suggested
1: Uncle At
3: under 12 Hurling game <laughs> that, that, That's kind of How I felt First five minutes, well, this is all very nice. But I've kind of done my duty now, and can I just go home? But, listen on,
1: I'm, I, I, I digress. Well, you obviously haven't heard this story I'm about to tell you from Jason Sobel and ISPN ISBN, have you? No, oh, go on. On go Friday on, please, night please, during huh? the Ryder Cup, the entire United States team huddled together in the team room. All 12 players were dressed in red, white and blue onesies with USA written on them. A gift from teammate Ricky Fowler. (laughs) That's right, stunned Murph and stunned Ken. A dozen of the world's best golfers from Phil Mickelson to Dustin Johnson to Jordan Spieth were covered neck to toe in red, white and blue onesies. Now, underneath those onesies, each player was wearing a red t-shirt courtesy of Zach Johnson. As they gathered that night, Johnson stood up in front of the room and addressed the team. I just want to pay tribute to one of our assistant captains, he announced. A man who has done so much for this game. The entire team then stood up, unzipped the top half of their onesies, and revealed those t-shirts showing a simple four-word message.
0: Make America great again.
1: Close. Take the word America away. Make? Who are they paying tribute to? Who was the guy again?
0: Tiger Woods. Make Tiger great again. That's kind of a bit harsh. (laughs) I mean, make Tiger great again, but like, that is basically saying that Tiger is a failed entity.
3: Aye. I'm the one who needs to change.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he needs to be med great again. So what was Tiger's reaction? Woods delivered a genuine spit take, reports Sobel. What does that mean? Spit take? I think it's like a shocked, like defying,
3: <laughs> No, if you're drinking coffee and someone says something oh, funny and the coffee you spit the coffee. Out. Oh,
1: Oh, yeah, I'll be done. Roaring with laughter at the scene unfolding in front of him. The team then urged him to make a speech. Woods stood at the front of the room and as one player recalled, offered an ominous warning. Don't worry, he told them. I'll be back and all of you gonna be pretty upset. <laughs> this is this is locker room. This is real this locker room talk. This is This, talk, is, Donald this, Trump. Room this talk. is how people talk in the U.S. Ryder Cup team locker room. Oh, my <laughs> God,
3: we're gonna find out if it's just words, just words, <laughs> or is it actions
1: today? <laughs> oh, you are doing that. Just your fingers words. Are, your fingers are way too long. Tiger's gonna win, yeah. so so uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. win so much. weird do it?
3: I'm a long fingered vulgarian, but he's
1: gonna win so much, man. Tiger, he's gonna do so much winning. He's gonna be tired of winning in 2017. Yeah, but the road to recovery. Begins today on we need, oh, We're need. we going to talk to Christine Brennan about that very shortly from USA Today We do need your input though on our big live show on Sunday night It's our end of year special During which we're going to be putting out a live performance Of one of your favourite podcast slots You get to decide which one Our Twitter poll features the three options Ken's Goose The Fairview And the, well I don't want to say Most popular slot in podcasting at the moment But just Owen's Poems is in there as well That's doing well right, Owen's Poems uh, yeah. Not much movement from the football podcast. No, 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 no. The numbers recording are, this shortly after. The numbers so I'm are holding say, steady, Owen. I'm okay, sorry. Okay, so we're talking 10%. Has it even dropped? Is no, it, no, it's uh, 10%. Steady at 10.
3: You should just stop talking
1: about The that. Fairview number one. Yeah. Looks like
3: the Fairview is going to get the nod.
1: Ken's
3: yeah. uh is trailing by, well,
1: well, almost 20 points. You know, if you can lose the popular vote, but there's an electoral college system in place here, so... You know. I think Owen's poem still has a half a chance. <laughs> we'll uh, count all the votes. If you can just deliver a Dublin. So, <laughs> oh. at Second Captains, if you want to get on Twitter and cast your vote on that one, we're really looking forward to the show. What a lineup Andy Lee, David O'Darty, got Jonathan Wilson, Sinead O'Carroll from the Journal, O'Sheen McConville, loads more people. US Murph, who we're going to get in studio tomorrow. Tyg Furlong. Tyg Furlong, yeah. I think I forgot to mention Tyg in the football podcast. How the, how the hell did I manage that? Mm. He's only been rampaging through massive Kiwis and Aussies for the last few weeks and there I am forgetting them. Unbelievable.
3: You know in uh, pickup trucks you know the, they, they like peel the roadkill off the front grill uh, mm-hmm. you know at the end of very long journeys. That's what we're going to have to do with Tiger Furlong to see if there are any all blacks still attached to his <sighs> his uh, his
1: uh, his broad girth. US Murph is going to be in studio. You weren't finished, were you? No, No, yeah. It's just like you look like you're ready to go a little further with that.
3: I uh, think I got my point across.
1: So, US Murph will be in studio tomorrow to look ahead to that one. He has landed and he will pop into us. We'll put that out on the Second Captain's Extras feed. You can also find the Trump election special there and all of our cool audio beds and clips. The podcasts themselves on Sunday night will be available on the the usual, through all the usual channels. We'll get them out for you on Monday. Ken, you have got your wish. UFC fighters are finally going to get their due for putting their bodies on the line for their masters.
0: Well, they may or they may not, but at least they're going to give it a go. I mean, uh, they've they've kind of done the Oliver Twist on it here, and they're going to go up and ask Mr. Bumble, Dana White, for more, more than the 8% of overall revenue that the fighters currently get. 8% of the organization's <laughs> revenue goes to the people who create 100% of the spectacle that they sell which is scandalous. I mean the Premier League it's even though in the Premier League the proportion of weight uh, of overall income that goes to the players has been falling because the income has grown so explosively in recent years it's still uh, you know in the region of 60% most american sports 50% seems reasonable that the players should get a you know at least half of what of what this you know the, the leagues the organizations are making 8% in the UFC and uh, so George St-Pierre uh, and a few other fighters, some reasonably big names, uh, T.J. Dillashaw, Donald Throne, have joined uh, up to launch essentially, a well, not exactly a union, but a union alike entity, which is going to try and redress that balance um, I suppose they need everyone. They need everyone else to join up, though. I mean, this is kind of, its like a—it's a leap of faith. It only happens if everybody sort of believes. You know what I mean? If people kind of stand back and wait to see which way it's going to go, then that's how it will get picked off. You know, that's how it will get um, destroyed by the by the management, the ownership. They've been they've been doing that for a long time. They've been cutting off all these kinds of things at the root for a long time. Um, so I'm just hoping that this one uh, finally is a the, is the breakthrough that's going to make the difference.
1: We'll get into that with Petey Carroll in studio in a little while. Later today, the 898th ranked golfer in the world tees it up in a tournament of absolutely no significance at a time of year when the entire sport is pretty much on holidays. Doesn't sound like much of a hook for a podcast slot, I hear you say. Well, thankfully, the golfer in question is Tiger Woods. He's back from a 15-month layoff, 466 days to be precise. He's playing this weekend. Christine Brennan, are you excited?
4: Sure, I, I um, the the continuing story, guys, of Tiger Woods in the soap opera that it is and has been for the last, well, I guess since '09, so I guess seven years, uh, is is intriguing. I, I will say that this golf tournament, you've accurately described this kind of goofy thing that um, gets attention only because it seems to be the place where Tiger makes news. Last year, he was glum and upset, and, and we had no idea if he'd ever come back. And of course, this year, he's back. So uh, this hero challenge uh, is is lucky in the sense that it gets publicity that otherwise would never get. Um, you know, here, of course, in the States, we're in the middle of our pro football season, uh, college football playoff time. So is the nation riveted? No. Um, Are people stopping in the street to talk about Tiger? No, Uh, they're talking about their college football team or their pro football team. But, But having said that, Within the realm of golf and this Tiger phenomenon that we've seen over the last 20 years play out in all of its various forms, it is interesting. And I must admit, I will be one of those people who probably tunes in uh, starting at noon Eastern time in the States to uh, to take a look at a couple of those first few holes and see how he does.
1: Well, as you joked, uh, Christine, your most recent piece is roughly your 1,552nd column on Tiger Woods. <laughs> so he's certainly been, been been a rich vein of stories for you, I'm sure.
4: Oh absolutely you know i was i was going to i was tweeting that last night and i thought oh you know say something important about tiger say something meaningful like, oh no this is make fun of myself and say <laughs> that this yeah. is my 1552nd column which of course is probably my what 121st or <laughs> I, I don't know 99th i have no idea how many i've written about him over the years lots and lots and lots probably more than anyone else but uh but uh, i thought i'd make a, have a little fun with yeah. it
1: the this is the tournament where he this time last year appeared in incredibly gloomy form, essentially uh, the, making a few comments that led everybody to write about the end of his career, potentially.
4: That is true, yes. Uh, as as we've said, this thing, this Hero World Challenge is a nothing event. It's in the Bahamas. It's, um, you know, 18 guys, no cut, Tiger's in it because he's the host. Otherwise, there's no way on earth he'd be in it. So uh, there's good, really good players. Some of the the top 40 in the world, all of them are in the top 40, except for Tiger. But um, yes, he showed up. uh, He'd had two back surgeries since we had last seen him, which was in August of 2015. And he showed up. Um, People kind of expected to give a progress report and say that he's moving along and kind of in typical Tiger terms say that he's about ready to win the Masters and, you know, all those kind of things that we all roll our eyes about Tiger Woods because it's like, oh, come on, Tiger. You know, uh, you can be a human being and you can say, uh, I'm not ready. You can say uh, things aren't good. You can say whatever you want as opposed to just I'm going to beat the guys. I'm glad to be back. Glad to see Uh, Cooch and everybody else, and I'm going to win. Well, no, it was the complete opposite. And I think to your point, that is exactly what got everyone's attention, that he was so glum, he was so upset, he was so far removed from the game. Uh, He had no timetable for his return. And basically, the quote that sticks in my mind was the quote that said, there's nothing to look forward to. A 39-year-old man a month away from 40 years old saying there's nothing to look forward to. Yeah. And I think that's really what set the stage and the agenda for the next year of conversation about Tiger. And what's wrong with Tiger? Will he ever come back? And frankly, I could make the case, guys, that that was a good thing. That because of all this kind of Tiger is going to come back and win four more majors and tie Jack. He'll win four more, five more majors and he'll break Jack's record. Well, you know, No. This guy is in big trouble, and he's just said that in incredibly uncharacteristic terms for a guy who always kind of just glosses over all the bad stuff and comes right back to the, I'm going to win again, I'm going to win again. And uh, probably the best thing that ever happened in the Tiger Woods conversation was for him to do what he did a year ago.
1: So what's happened since? Obviously, he's got himself to a physical point. I was going to say physically fit. I don't know if that's possible for him, but he's got himself to a point where he can play again. I think he might have had another back surgery in the year in between times, psychologically he certainly seems a lot better. He's very upbeat. We were joking earlier on about the a little bit about the Ryder Cup and the positive influence he seemed to have on the on the American team there. I'm not talking about it in, in any great tactical way, but it seemed like something that might have energized him somewhat. Is there, is there one? Is there any one thing that's happened? Do you think that has led him to this place where he's talking at least talking positively about what he can do this weekend?
4: Uh, well, I think that's a great point about the Ryder Cup. Uh, absolutely, I was there. I covered that in Minnesota, and that was the point where we're kind of like we'd like to interview him. No one has anyone heard him speak. You know, he hasn't been in the press room. And he was being such a a different character, playing a different role and seemingly enjoying it. And um, so on one level, it was probably a moment for him to say, hey, I can have fun in golf without playing, without being the rock star, the superstar, the most important guy which obviously took a lot of getting used to for him. You know, it probably took years and years to get him to that point, years and years of injuries and, uh, and trouble to the point where he realized that he, he, he's going to have to come to grips with this. I think that was it. I remember a moment where they talked about it, Patrick Reed talked about it, where on the first day they're all out playing nine holes and everyone else goes in and Patrick wants to walk the other nine. I think it was actually the front nine. They played the back nine first. So I think it was the front nine and Patrick's going to go walk it by himself. And Tiger says, I'll go with you. And he walks the other nine with Patrick Reed so that he can help Patrick Reed. That was a real shocker. You know, that's a sports upset right there. The Tiger Woods would not only not go into the warm clubhouse, but he would walk with Patrick Reed so that he could help Patrick play golf later in the week in a tournament in an event that tiger could not play in that never would have happened two years ago cannot imagine even two years ago it happening um so that was pretty amazing you know the only other time he's popped up in in public was in may mid-may here in dc i'm I'm talking to you from washington dc a few miles from here in um, bethesda at the um um, at Avenel um, where they they play the PGA Tour stop, and uh, his his golf tournament for the uh, for the troops in honor of uh, the veterans, and troops uh, U.S. troops, and he hit three um, three shots. You know he's doing a little promotional thing for the TV cameras, all the local TV stations in D.C., and he hit three wedges from 102 yards, basically the drop area for the, that long par three that's number 10 of the U.S. Open a few years ago. Phil Mickelson put it in the drink, as I recall. The, 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 um, the U.S. Open that Rory won by a mile. Mm-hmm. And it's that hole, but it was a shortened version of that hole. 102 yards, three shots, all three in the water. I've never seen anything like it. I was there, and I've never seen anything like it. Uh, he was rusty. He was going, oh, Tiger, come on. You know, oh, I'm stiff. Still. What was the reaction, Christine?
1: How did people react around you, and how did you react when you saw that? Was it a little bit, it was almost like a, a morbid fascination with what you were seeing?
4: Yeah, exactly. It was kind of like uh what? Well first of all, we're all watching the only people who are there are media, so journalists, TV people, cameras, um sponsors, and some of uh, the local uh organizers of the Tiger Woods um you know, the tournament that was gonna be what what is that, June or July? Um So it was probably just 150, 200 people of golf people, either media journalists, you know, uh, or sponsors or people around that tournament. And so it was kind of like we're watching and, you know, we're we're all talking to each other. Okay, here comes Tiger. So he's mic'd up. So he's out there. So we're watching. And one goes in the in the drink. And I, I guess I wasn't even surprised that there was one because, you know, he hasn't played a lot. He said he just got off his plane. He hadn't stretched, hasn't warm up, hasn't practiced. Okay, one but right in the middle of the pond. I mean, something that we would do. You know what I mean? Something that I would do, you would do without any trouble at all, especially in front of a group hitting a cold shot. And it was a little chilly that morning. Okay, so then the next one was kind of like, oh boy. And then the third actually hit the bank and rolled back in. The second hit right at the water's edge at the bank. But the first one was a a clunker right in the middle of the the little pond there. So uh, three for three. Yeah, people were shocked and he was... The last one you could faintly hear, folks can find this online if you want to look at these, if not that you need to need to watch it anymore, it got a lot of attention back then, but there's all three online, but you can hear, if you turn up your sound, on the third one is he's over the ball, he's going, come on, Tiger, come on, Tiger, come on, Tiger, it said that I think once or twice, come on, Tiger, but the way we would do it, you know, come on, come on, <laughs> you know, so I really thought that was fascinating, I wrote about this and people can find that easily um, if they want to look at the column, because... I was, wow, wow, he's doing what we would all do. Come on, come on. Like, you know, you can do this. And that really told me a lot. And, and again, that's where, what was that, seven months ago? More questions, more doubts. Will he ever come back? And so I think, I think that's, uh, that's been the year. I think we've just highlighted his year other than practicing in quiet and out of, out of the public eye.
1: Yeah, what can we reasonably expect from him, do you think, uh, in this tournament, maybe more particularly over for 2017?
4: I have no idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think I'm sure you guys are the same on yes. this. No clue. Uh, I, I saw people on Twitter yesterday talking about Eagle two holes in the pro am. Uh, I cannot imagine the, the, people actually tweeting about a player's performance in a pro am, but that's Tiger Woods and that's what people want to do. So that happened yesterday. So he eagled a couple holes during the pro am apparently um, and played well. Uh, you know, I, I with all these guys who played, Bubba was 25 under par at this thing. It's just hard to imagine Tiger not being last or near last. I don't know if somebody else is not is not in great form right now. I have no idea. Um, but, you know, he might have some moments, and I hope he does for his sake. I mean, I think all of us have been very critical of him. I certainly have been. I'm, I'm not out uh, to get him. Uh, we have chronicled his life. Uh, when you compare what he did to say what one of the presidential candidates in the United States election did, I guess clearly Tiger could never be president. Uh, you know what I'm saying? It's like Tiger sounded bad in 2009, but the things Donald Trump said were so far worse and awful, including bragging about sexual assault. And you know he got elected, so I guess we should put Tiger in in pr- even more perspective, right? I think that would be a logical thing to do. I, I'm sure I'm the only one thinking of. Of the election and, and then putting it back in 09 and Tiger. But if you do that, all of a sudden, while well, Tiger's torching his own family life. Uh, he didn't do you know one of the hundred things that Donald Trump said or did. So you know, let's put that in perspective, uh, and uh, and Tiger looks pretty darn good in, by comparison. Um, as does anyone else on earth," uh, <laughs> um, said the uh, American who's still in shock. Um, the uh, well, you, and, you and know,
1: you're in Washington D.C. There, you said, Christine. So you're you're yes. cl- close to the uh, close to the action. Unfortunately, perhaps
4: ground zero. Yes, although uh, I think every American uh, is is close to this action. Unfortunately, I <laughs> um, yeah, so, don't normally get into politics, but I think it's pretty crystal clear that uh, uh, you know you could look at Donald Trump's behavior and just you'd be amazed that we went crazy over Tiger Woods in hindsight.
1: Yeah, so what do you reckon then, Tiger Woods? You just, you just don't have a yeah. clue. It's, it's going to be hard. Yeah, yeah, to no, there. no,
4: it's hard to get off track, but it, oh. it is, I think, a, a, it's worth the perspective, you know, to stop and go, wait a minute, sure. what did Tiger do? You know, I think we'll see, the Masters has always been, to me, Tiger's best chance to win a major. I, I think that's conventional wisdom. That's not just my thought, but, um, you know, that that's always going to be his best. And when he, he leaves Augusta on Sunday without having won the Masters, which he's done for many, many years now, that's always his best chance squandered. That's always the best one that's gone away, and and, and he's um, not to say he can't win a U.S. Open, uh, a, an Open Championship, a British Open, as we would call it, or, or the PGA Championship. But you know, the Masters is suited to his game. So is there? An, you know, Freddie Couples is always near the lead for a day or two of the of the Masters, and he is a good uh, what uh, sixteen years older than Tiger. So, you know, throw that in the mix. I think to count him out would be ridiculous. I know you're not saying that. I'm not either. Count him out is ridiculous. I think that is uh, golfers. Look at Tom Watson a few years ago, what he did over there, you know, uh, at the open. So there's so many ways to look at this. Um, I don't expect him to win a golf tournament next year, but I certainly could see him contending. And then the key question always for him, sorry for the very long answer, but the key question always will be his health And what happens if he has to go into the rough or is up against a tree or does something goofy like he tries it like he might because he does because he's Tiger and he's got the thoughts of Tiger of old and then he injures himself again. And I sure hope that doesn't happen. But I think throw that in the mix as well. And that's why I don't expect to see him win another major ever. But I certainly could see him contending in another major. And sometimes I could see him winning another tournament or two. Uh, but I don't know that I see that happening in 2017
1: okay well I'm sure we'll all be watching one way or the other listen Christine Brennan USA Today amongst others it's uh, always good to talk thanks a million
4: my pleasure guys thanks so much take care second captain they're better at the internet than we are
1: second captain first captain whatever second captain I
4: thought do you believe this it's so unbelievable second captain on the internet I'm going to bomb the shit out of them. It's true.
3: I
1: don't care. I don't care. They've got to be stopped. What are your confidence levels, Murph, about Tiger? Not talking about this weekend. I'm talking about Tiger, future Tiger. He only needs... Okay, people barely even mention the Nicklaus thing anymore. It used to be that in his comeback articles, any piece about Tiger Woods' comeback would have that number in there, have that 18 majors. Now the more relevant number is Sam Snead's 82, I think it is, PGA Tour victories. Like, to win four more majors, is, for any yeah. golfer to win four majors in any such of time is huge. career unrivaled
3: by all, but maybe, you know, a dozen, maybe 20, f 20, well, maybe 25 golfers, or something like that. But. but to
1: potentially win three more, eke out three more PGA Tour events, four more to pass the record, that'd be pretty good going. Yeah.
3: Uh, well, it's certainly, well, it's certainly more likely. Um, I mean, this is what it comes down to, though. I mean, we, you just have no clue. That's why we'll end up watching the Hero Challenge live from the Bahamas over the course of this weekend, you know? I mean, his body might just betray him, you know? And everything... I mean, the smart money is is on him saying he will never win another tournament again, just because his body has been th- through so much. And he kind of seemed like, all throughout his 30s, he didn't even seem that interested in minding his body, or his late 20s into his early 30s. And that kind of... That does come back to bite in the ass eventually, you know? But... Uh, I mean, if he got to a
1: place where he'd be competitive, I mean, it would still be pretty, pretty interesting. I don't want him to be competitive. I want him to be swinging from ex- to extremes. Mm. I want to see him suffer with a couple of 82s, mm. only to come back and then blast a British Open or something. Win that tournament, then go back to embarrassing himself a bit. You know, there's no point. I don't want to see Tiger Woods plodding around there hitting 74s, 75s. What's the point? Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying?
3: Well, I would certainly think Tiger Woods would very quickly grow sick and tired of shooting seventy five all the time exactly yeah Uh, I mean if you throw in exactly half and half 65s and 82s Tiger would probably take that he'd definitely take that so with the watching world yeah certainly I would I mean yeah you're, you're probably right I mean it would certainly be a better televisual spectacle Hit it. I've got a call here that says you're the most boring, predictable, condescending interviewer around. Go back to lecturing. You have the charisma of a sick bag. Oh God. That's just it. I just mentioned, not you, not me.
2: Okay. Ain't nobody f- with my click, 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 click. Ain't nobody fresher than my mom.
3: We don't normally broadcast all the, the stuff that click, comes from scum click, around the country. Click.
1: Today's scumbag is Brian in Waterford, who has emailed us at com to say, hi lads, long time downloader, first time scum emailer. I felt it was important to bring your attention to a recent discussion between, oh wow, this is interesting, between the narrator of your scum intro, man of the people Pat Kenny, mm-hmm. and is it O'No O O'No Breen. O'No O'Brien, sorry, Sinn Féin politician. You'll appreciate the passion on display. Whew, let's have a listen to this.
3: You earn an hour's overtime and half it goes to Michael Noonan. How fair is that? Well, first of all, Pat, I would I would imagine that I spend a lot more time with ordinary, uh, average income earners than you do. Uh, but what's also crucial hey, is, is, cheap, that, shot, is cheap, that cheap shot, cheap uh, shot, cheap, cheap fact, shot, cheap shot. I, no, I, come on! All my colleagues in news talk—they're not high earners. I work with them every single day of the week, and I know their difficulties I, every day. I'm mature. I've earned a, a good living over many years. I started at the bottom like everybody else, and I'm looking at people who are working their way up from the bottom. So don't lecture me about the company I keep. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Cheap shot oh. Cheap is. shot <laughs> <laughs> It's already a hotkey Is it Simon? Oh, yeah can you, can you yeah, yeah to the Cheap yeah. shot Oh wow I think we'll be hearing that quite
0: It's so a bit hotkey. of a UFC Type situation going on there I mm. wonder what percent Of the overall revenues Goes to the So, uh, so to conclude If you're talking co-workers. to me If
3: you're talking to me About my Pay packet
1: I'd like to apologise <laughs> To absolutely nobody <laughs> Says Pat Getty. Of course we were those Uh as average Joe News Talk employees for a long time again.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, struggling to you make. Wanna come to in meet, and you know?
3: see see
1: who I'm working with? <laughs> that's basically what back like here. It's
0: like a battery chicken farm in here. <laughs> you wouldn't believe the human misery I see. <laughs> yeah, people think you know this might be some kind of enclave of the liberal elite. Well, that couldn't be further from the truth. But uh, yeah, um, I suppose it's
1: it's uh, was it a cheap shot? Um, possibly. Maybe. Man's got a right to defend himself, I guess. Hard to say. Time will tell. Does he? <laughs> the Irish Times Second Captain's Football Podcast is out there.
2: That's. Yeah.
3: They have asked for that, really. Well,
1: oh, you can laugh. I'm, the cool.
3: I'm a little bit of an idealist. But having said that, I want to be like me.
2: You well, don't know what you're talking about. What if you want to like to it? stay alive? I'd say it to you, but I'll say it to you it oh, now. I'm down to Anfield and we'll see them, all What you doing down here? You're shorty, man. <laughs>
0: well, and we talked to Ewan McKenna in Brazil, who has been doing a lot of reporting on the uh, air disaster um, of the, Chapo, the flight carrying the Chappaqua team to the final or the first leg final Final first second like, of the Copa Sudamericana, and um, it's just a sort of really horrible tragedy that happened there. And so, Ewan has been following um, the reaction in Brazil, in Colombia, uh, around South America to what happened there, and also the well, the story of, of really what happened to the plane. Which the more you hear about it, the more shocking it becomes.
1: All right, well, something called the Mixed Martial Arts Athletes Association was launched yesterday in a high-profile conference call launched by five fighters, George St. Pierre, probably the uh, most familiar name to a lot of us, and they were joined by the former owner of Bellator, Bjorn Rebney, the rival organisation at the UFC. He's going to be on board in an advisory capacity. And Rebney says that, uh, has described the UFC, as a predatory monopoly, described the treatment of fighters up to now as wrongful and outrageous. This is clearly an attempt to try to address a lot of those issues. PT Carroll of Severe MMA is in studio. pt how are you?
2: I'm good, I'm good. Thanks very much for having me, guys. Not
1: at all, not good to have you in again. I suppose the obvious question is, why has there been nothing like this before now to... Um,
2: to fight for the rights of these fighters. Well, the problem is there has been things, and they just right. nothing has ever come of them. So, I, I'd say Randy Couture was the first guy that ever kind of spoke about the union, and that was probably 2007 when he was in a battle over his image rights. That turned into uh, an organisation called MMAFA, I believe, and that was meant to be the first union or association that was going to represent the fighters. Um, that's that's pretty much kind of gone away. Like we heard this announcement, and then nothing ever really came mm-hmm. of it. And then there was obviously two months ago, was it? No, it was, more, it was four months ago at the um, UFC 202 there was the announcement of the PFA. So that was the Professional Fighters Association. They kind of had to call it an association because. A union would be employer to employee, but obviously the fighters are sole traders, so they can't really call it a union. So it's this association. And PFA actually were going, like, you know, they were making moves. They were certainly putting together a plan. But what happened was last month, MMA Junkie leaked the uh, documents that they had a 10-point plan. And Leslie Leslie Smith, one of the fighters, she was one of the most vocal supporters of this. And um, she actually... She left the uh, organization because this document was leaked, because she had uh, liaised with about 10 fighters. Uh, Nick Diaz and Eddie Alvarez were were, were two of the fighters that were meant to be involved and uh, sit on a board as advisory members to the PFA. So one of the one of the key guys has left that, uh, who was Nick Diaz's attorney, I believe his second name is Middlebrook. He's left and Smith is left so that's that's a significant blow for them. And now this is the new one. So okay. there's also been uh, there's also been another kind of group of fighters who are trying to make a class action suit against the UFC that was Nate Quarry, a tough veteran John Fitch, a perennial welterweight contender and Kung Lee. A guy who was a tr- strike force champion uh, strike force was uh, taken over by Zufa. Dana White, the Fertigas eventually. But yeah, there's been lots of attempts to do this.
0: So why, do, or rather, do you think this one has any more of a chance of success than the previous attempts?
2: I don't know if it does. Like, to be honest with you, the big thing that's come out of this is the fact that the fighters are there. Hmm. Obviously, guys like GSP have big pull. And when when people see GSP at the front of something, and obviously he's had a bit of back and forth with UFC over the last few months uh, with regard to his return. And what's like, you know, with a guy like that at the helm of it, that is gonna inspire more fighters. And there was big names there in terms of like MMA audiences. Kane Velasquez, a former heavyweight champion, a guy who people assume will be the heavyweight champion again. There was also uh TJ Dillashaw, former Bantamweight champion. You know, these are these are big names. Donald Cerrone is one of the the company guys they'd call him, you know, one of these guys that kind of yeah. does whatever. I'll fight him for free. You know what <laughs> I mean? And all the Diaz brothers are kinda like, why would you say that? You know, why yeah. would you and, and they make a good point. But these guys, I suppose that's the big thing. And the fact that they've all spoken about this fear they were living in. I, I found it quite amazing that they were kind of talking about this fear. And Donald Cerrone was nearly second guessing himself on the conference call. You know, it seemed like he was like, oh, should I do this? Should I not do it? And I, I really...
1: Sorry, f- the fear they're living in of what could happen... Potential uh, at, the hand, at the hands of the owners, essentially. At the end of the sport, because they're being seen as uh, rebel upstarts. Exactly,
2: and like, we've seen little doses of this, Like to casual fans will notice, like uh, Connor being stripped of, uh, not, not being stripped, but before all this happened, remember at UFC 200 when he refused to go to the press conference? Mm. And that's the kind of punishment you're, you're used to from UFC. Ne- nearly childish, like, no... Like I know, Connor obviously didn't go to the press conference and was all that as well. But right. usually they do take a very firm stance. So I'm very interested to see what happens to these guys after speaking out. Yeah. You know, will, will their careers be affected? Because it seems to me that they certainly think it will.
0: Because the stakes are are pretty big for the owners as well. I mean, the main issue here is, as they were saying in the conference call, that um, currently of the revenues generated by the organization, the fighters get eight percent. Which is insane. I mean, it's insane that they would get that little. I mean, if you look at every American sport, it's always at least 50% that the players are getting in terms of the revenue that the league makes. And they're they're all organized along, you know, similar lines. Well, I mean, you mentioned the thing about the, the, the fighters here being sole traders and in other leagues you've got teams and so on. But there is a central league that makes the money and then the money is split and there's a players' association that bargains with the league. And always it works out the players are getting at least 50%, which is how you know, NBA players and NFL players make so much money. 8%. I mean, it's it's crazy, but it, but there's a 42% of revenue there that, that the ownership is going to fight pretty hard for. They're not going to let that go without, you know, trying everything they can do to stop it.
2: Well, this is why the company's worth $4 billion as well. You know, the fact that they've had, been able to push out these profits, um, you know, it's it's a disgrace like the, the the money that the entry level for it is especially like what they're meant to live off is is actually horrible well what what are, what
0: are what are, they, what are they meant to live off
2: like you're talking 8 and 8 so that's 8 when you 8 win uh so then that's 6000 8000 dollars yes so okay. then it like people are saying now the the average is 10 but I, I like you know only a few years ago I think it was even lower than eight and eight. So you'd be so eight and eight. When I say eight and eight, yeah. eight is just if you show up. Mm-hmm. The other 8 is if you win. So fifty percent of you, of what you make is, the, uh, is determined by the result of your fight. Yeah. So I mean that's that's awful. You know that's that's really 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 bad money. When you, you then you also have to pay expenses. You have say, to pay tax. Your, you have your, to pay your, own your costs are coming out of that, are they? Yes, you have to pay your manager. Like I mean, I think they fly one corner member over, so you have to look after the other corner member. You know, it's it's crazy, like man, it's it's really insane when you when you think about you know guys like Cole Miller have been you know twelve year veterans with the UFC, and and the other day he comes out with an interview saying I'd probably be better off working in Starbucks, yeah. you know, and you can see the frustration in this guy's eyes. He's just slowly realizing like I've given my life to this organization, taking a beating. Oh, seriously! Like I mean, t- let's not even get into the the, the damage that the, these guys sustain. Mm. It, like we don't even know how bad that could be.
0: So and so. I assume then the reaction from all the other fighters must be very
2: positive It's hard to know this is what what what's in my head it's like so a lot of different fighters will have secretly tied their masks to these other organizations that have done little you know or nothing as far as we're concerned because we haven't seen an impact between the u f c and and their- and well their sole traders that you know are contracted them. but um i guess I guess the it's going to be interesting to see if more people come out because even last night in the conference call, Ian McCall, like one of the greatest flyaway fighters of all time, rang up like as if he was a media member to ask like, you know, what's going on here? I'm interested in this, you know, but like really that, that shouldn't be happening, you know, that should be, they, they should have already gone out to these well, guys. Well,
1: everyone should be involved in it and it strikes me that for it to be successful, Absolutely. that has to be the case. Not, not only does everyone have to be in, involved in it, Conor McGregor has to be involved in it. Uh, you know, the, the biggest current star surely has to be Front and center, or else they're just going to say, "Well, you no, know, know McGregor's playing his own games with the UFC and, and and with the owners." But without that level of support, you would wonder. It, it just makes it a little bit easier for the UFC to potentially crack down. And I know, like, I'm not obviously George Saint Pierre is a legendary name in the sport as well, and not disparaging these other guys. But, but he,
0: he hasn't fought in three.
1: Yeah, years.
2: and he doesn't see the UFC. Don't seem to be making inroads into him fighting again. So I do. I agree you with kind you. Of need I'd... McGregor involved surely,
1: and and the other the current biggest names
2: and like if you think about it look at the situation McGregor's in you know he's had his belt stripped from um, apparently he, did, he found out the way the rest of the world found out about that as far as I know um, you know on the internet mm. that, that his belt was going so I mean y- you're really disrespecting uh, your biggest draw there and you know I think documents were released about two months ago by MMA Junkie again that suggested that he is worth 25% of the income they've made in 2015 you know what I mean it seems absolutely ridiculous you'd be wrapping this guy in wool, whether you like him or not if he's making that money, and you guys are so concerned about money that you're giving these guys eight percent is what they said. It's actually people actually more estimate that it's probably about fifteen, but it's still very bad. That's mm. still awful. Do fans care about any of this sort of stuff?
1: Well, I mean, like, do fans care whether or not the, the, they're well looked after, the fighters are well properly paid?
0: Well, I think they should. But I look at some looked at some of the sort of message boards or whatever talking about this, and was surprised by the number of negative comments from Americans who just hate anything. That seems like a union. They're just biased against it. Politically, they take, They think it's socialism, they think it's lame, people should, you know, people should uh, get what they, people get what they work for, Yeah. and uh, you know, you don't uh, reward losers and all that, which I just find so pathetic and stupid.
2: You wouldn't believe even the amount of fighters, I, I obviously regularly interview fighters, and when I ask them about things like this, they go, oh, there's too many people moaning and complaining. Well, meanwhile, you know this guy is on an entry-level contract in the UFC, and you're like, are you Are you really not that happy, you know, that that you can do this? But I'm afraid that's a very common theme that runs throughout the sport. I think uh, the the amount of money that comes in is really from the casual fan base, the likes of people that will tune in and buy a pay-per-view that Conor McGregor's on. So they aren't really that in-depth. They don't have any kind of personal relationship before. They've never really spoken to it before. So they don't understand how bad it is. But, you know, this, this is a problem that's been going on for years and years, this fear element, because I can tell you, like, it's... You know, scores of times I've interviewed someone and then the next day they're like, oh, I, I don't think I should have said this. Oh, if I say that, I don't know if they're going to do this to me. I don't know if they're going to do that to me. That's happened. That's happened scores of times to me. Is there, so any su- yeah, sorry. Sorry. Is
0: there any suggestion that the new owners, because you, you mentioned it was sold recently, $4 billion was the sale price, which suggests...
2: You Most know, expensive Spartan uh, company in the world.
0: Yeah, there's, there's a, lot of, a lot of money involved here. But the new owners are like... Uh, um W W Oh. Oh you Christ. always get it wrong
2: too, you know? <laughs> there are a lot of letters involved.
0: I M G W W W W M G W M G I M G Christ the life. I should really know this. This there, is very embarrassing.
2: A big a big um a big sort of agency, like a kind of... It's a PR agency. Like, and it's, uh, you know, these guys have actually fought for the rights of uh, athletes in different sports. But now they've come in and it really seems that they're just making quick calls to, to make more money. Hmm. When you consider the, the stripping of McGregor's featherweight title and this mess that's occurring in that division now, apparently, like, that just seems to be such a panicked move. Yeah. You know, it seems like they just made that decision at the drop of a hat and informed everybody later. You know, it's it's crazy.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know if they're going to be any less rootless than, um, obviously, Dana White and the Fertitta brothers are. were fairly rootless owners. I mean, judging by the, the kind of fear that you've been talking about that people had. But, um, it's
1: WME IMG. WME
0: Just on the tip
2: of my tongue there. Well. <laughs>
0: um, but, I mean, you mentioned, you mentioned Conor McGregor getting stripped of his belt uh, and so on. Uh, there's news also now that he's got a boxing license yes. in California.
1: No, we're not going to ask the question that you're going to ask.
0: No, I wasn't. I wasn't going to ask a question. Oh, about it's going it. to get there anyway. There's but no way you can say does this. It does. Yeah. It, it does does say,
1: it begin with Floyd? Is, there, <laughs> is that this ludicrous notion? There.
0: But but uh, the, the, this whole what what his negotiation tactic? He's obviously agitating pretty hard for himself and has been for a while. I mean, you know, last year, I remember him doing a call where he was shouting about nine figures, nine figures, that's what I'm looking for. And at the time, actually, I thought, this is insane. He's completely lost his mind. Now I'm actually wondering if he might be able to do that. You know what I mean? I'm kind of, I'm almost thinking this might be possible. But it seems like his attitude or his way of doing it is not to work with the other fighters, but to rather kind of threaten the organization that he might, he doesn't need them. He could be in, WWE he i mean this or is boxing. Some, or or boxing or in some kind of a rocky three style fight against floyd mayweather the, um you know i mean i so what i mean what do you think are, are the realistic uh, chances of any of those types of thing happening
2: um you know i have always said that these things that connor talks about these different avenues he can go down they're just all bargaining tools and now he's kind of taken it to a much uh, bigger level uh, by getting this boxing uh, this boxing license we first heard about this boxing license and it was only whispers you know from from around the camp that uh, he had been looking into this around the time of the UFC 200 fallout yeah. so obviously you remember he retired from the sport he got taken off the card there they patched it up and they did it at 202 so this is always creating, option, creating options so he can say okay I don't need you I can go and do I can go and do WrestleMania I can do you know, uh, a boxing bout against a very famous boxer. You know what I mean? I, I, you know, just so he can have all these options. So so basically... I would
1: just choose WrestleMania if I was you. <laughs> I it
2: might be safer. Not, not 100% safe. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, the one thing about Connor that I find revealed itself through his loss was he he loves fighting you know like that's the, the people often talk about the movies but really has has Ronda Rousey become a household name because she's in movies has she like maybe she's made some money yeah but I don't think the career is there without the, the other career behind her yeah
1: but he's still physically fit he'll want to
2: well like, remain in combat sports whatever he, way it is he was meant to do triple X you know with Vin Diesel mm. after the Diaz fight you know <laughs> I know he was meant <laughs> to go to Toronto and film that yeah. but because of that loss because he wanted to you know revenge that loss so badly he he threw like, he, he turned down millions you know what I mean for that film and, and just got himself back into a camp and Michael Bisping ended up uh, picking up the scraps and doing the <laughs> film in the end fair play to him
1: alright listen PT great to have you in thanks a million alright thanks very much he's
2: just a crying big baby. baby but you cannot call a player a baby Coach. Which is the game you wanted to victory boy didn't have a wobble? I want victory for every game. Where do you think you got it all wrong today? Coach. Which is the game you wanted to victory boy didn't have a weapon. Well, it's just it then Navo You look frustrated on the pitch. Which is the game you wanted to victory boy didn't have a weapon. You wanted victory. Well, I wanted victory. Coach. Which is the game you wanted to victory boy didn't have a weapon. Where do you think you got it all wrong today?
4: Against them in the premierships, and we never said they are baby. He's just a crying big baby. baby, you cannot call a player a baby.
1: We gotta nip this in the book, and he is not gonna be fighting Floyd Mayweather. You, you say, that on. You you say that on, but
0: I bet you would have said a, a year ago um, that Donald Trump would not be the president of the United States. Yes. So all I'm saying is weird things happen. <laughs> uh, I can't mean, use that for everything. Doesn't Floyd Mayweather go to casinos a lot? I mean, the day might come when he kind of fancies participating in a hundred million dollar freak show against Conor McGregor. I mean, that might—I can easily see that happening. In fact, I, don't, I expect it to happen. I'll put it down right now. I expect this freak show to happen at some point. It will make commercial sense for both of these men to get in the ring and squeeze hundreds of millions of dollars out of their adoring fans all across uh, the United States and the world.
1: Leonard Ellerbe. LRB, the CEO of Mayweather Promotions, was talking to Dan Raphael. At the end of the day, he's under contract with the UFC. He's told what to do. He's an employee. He's done a massive con job to try to trick people that he could actually pull this off. It's another creative way to create more interest. Nobody's mad, but it's a con job trying to make people think that that this is real. And even mentioning him and TBE in the same breath is disrespectful.
0: Trash talk, Owen. Hype. It's all pre hype. He's a phony. He's a con man. Uh, You know, he's not a great businessman. Uh, well, I can't remember all the other things Mitt Romney said about Donald Trump but people say these things and it doesn't necessarily mean You
1: have no issue with them being in completely different sports?
0: Um, well, it's all the, the one sport of combat, isn't it? Mm, it's no. combat sports Very different there fami- There's a family, a family resemblance a family resemblance between them uh, I've got dragged into this clearly like, what, would, what has happened here? Clearly, Owen, oh, it would be a freak show but freak shows make money so why, why the hell not?
1: All right, I'm dragged for as far as I want to be into this conversation for the time being again. Until the fight gets announced in about six months' time. At <laughs> which point, <laughs> we will resume the conversation. Our podcast will be out on Monday. Uh, we'll have two podcasts from the Gangs All Here, end of year show, celebrating our 750th Irish Times, second captain's podcast. Can't believe it's gone that fast. Can't wait to have US Murph right here in studio and have him there at the Liberty Hall Theatre on Sunday night. If you see him walking around town, say hello. You should reckon, probably recognise him. Yeah. And uh,
3: we should say th- we're, I'm very much looking forward to meeting you guys, our beloved listeners on Sunday as well. Not just our uh, stand oh, yeah. Lineup of guests. You
1: guys are part of the gang. That's the point. I should. Yeah. I should. Well, listen, it's, I forgot uh, about Tyke Furlong. I nearly forgot about our listeners, Murph. If, if I didn't have you on board... Ah,
3: uh, listen, on, Listen. Yeah. Uh, I was going to embark on a Pat Kenny-style rant there, but <laughs> I, I feel that's probably not the time place. probably leave
1: that all right. Cheap shot, Murph. Cheap shot. Thanks for listening. And uh, a quick reminder to the US that the uh, Second Cup Sports Island, Volume Two is available to celebrate US Murph's arrival. is available free to, uh, of free of postage and packaging charges. I should say to the US and Canada until five PM tomorrow. That's five PM Friday, December the second. Enough plugging in the book. Thanks, Murph. Thanks again. Thanks so much for listening. Nice we'll is that? That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home. They never go home. They never go home.
0: Those
1: boys.